Good afternoon, friends. Welcome to Long Underwear Week on the Patrick Lally Show. I've got my woolies on here in the palatial but chilly KSO studios. Hope you do too. Despite these bone-chilling temps, it's another grand and glorious day in the best little city in America. That's because Uber producer Dan Peters is back in studio with us today. You heard his voice at the top of the news and the weather. Together, we'll navigate another two hours of engaging conversation on news and politics, music and religion, literature and economics. Thanks for joining us today. Whether you're huddled in front of a glowing computer screen, cruising in a warm automobile, or using the KSOO mobile app on iOS or Android, remember, you can always follow along and comment on our Twitter feed at P. Lally Show. P-L-A-L-L-E-Y show, or watch the sausage being made on this quality radio talk show on the KSO page at Facebook. Like most of you, I've been spending some quality time indoors. There's no shame in taking some refuge with a good book, binging on some Netflix. I Personally, I've been taking in uh, the Peaky Blinders series, and uh, quite good, quite good. If you haven't seen Peaky Blinders, we've talked about it on the show before, but it's Pretty awesome. Uh, And engaging in some uh, deeply philosophical conversation, as we like to do over the holidays. We call it philosophical, but, you know, it's the airing of grievances, right? Everybody, by this time, everybody's grievances have been aired. You've all come to some grand agreement or moved your separate rooms. Personally, I've been engaged in a highly challenging activity. It's a 300-piece Darth Vader puzzle. Yes, It's been a long time for me in puzzle building, but it's been soothing, soothing in a way uh, and perplexing. Uber producer Dan Peters, you know, Dan, are you, uh, do they use the puzzles much in your, uh, your home? Are you a a puzzle people over there in the Peters household at all? No, we don't do a lot of the uh, grab the 5,000 piece puzzles and do that. Although my youngest did get a Rubik's cube, so that's about as close as we get as a puzzle, but I'm impressed by the the Darth Vader edition oh, yeah. that you're working on. I tell you, it's pretty, pretty cool. And it was this kind of uh, painting, you know, of Darth Vader. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, it really had that late 70s, early 80s feel of a dark light poster, you know, a black light poster that you might hang on your wall. Oh, yeah. They have those. It was awesome. So we broke this bad boy out. Uh, somebody got it for Christmas. And, you know, you look, you see 300 pieces. That's not bad. These are pretty big pieces. Ha <laughs> ha. The, the, the nature of the thing, the painting of the Dark Lord, was, you know, hues of purples and blacks and a little red and a little less kind of greenish. But it was all very dark, as you might expect from a Darth Vader puzzle. Well, yeah, it was hard, man. <laughs> it was hard. But you did complete it? Uh, or you're still in the process? No, just this morning. Oh, wow. We placed the last piece just this morning. And so you went out, got it laminated, and then you don't have to put it together again. Well, I'm hoping that that happens. <laughs> or I could get back and it could be in 300 pieces again and we'll have to start all over. But it was fun. I, You know, it, it allows for some, you know, conversation. You know, it's not easy. Uh, I, have, I have not been alone in this adventure, as you might guess, Uh it was actually a, a gift for a nine-year-old, and 
So it has led to many interesting conversations around the puzzle board uh, about a range of topics, uh, including what you can and can't say on the radio, <laughs> which I don't understand why, but is some, uh, it is an area of, of some fascination for a nine-year-old boy. Like, can you use bad words? Well, no, you can't use bad words. Of course you can't use bad words. It's commercial radio. What happens if you do? And I'm like, oh, you get fined. You get Well, first of all, you might get fired, but then you get fined by the FCC. Then why can you say, you know, long underwear, which I, I said yesterday, and I said it again today, long underwear. I said, because it's not a bad word, you know? It's, it's long underwear. It's just a piece of clothing. Can you say, shut up, you idiots? <laughs> I said, well, yeah, I, I hope so. <laughs> I, I think so. So, you know, shut up, you idiots. That happens. Uh, and then, you know, what's the FCC? Yeah, let's, let's go back to Darth Vader. Look at that. Oh, look, I got a piece of his helmet. So it was uh, a, lot of, a lot of good conversation around the puzzle board, uh, and it is finished. Darth Vader is in the can, as we like to say. We've got a uh, – How? by the way, how else was your holiday, Dan? You've been gone for a while. Welcome back. Well, there was the the um, I the trip to the movie theater yesterday. Oh, for yeah. discount day for the other Star Wars movie. How was it? Without, Actually, no spoilers. I, I did enjoy it. Oh, good. I have to see it because I've seen them all, you know, as you might expect. Man of my age. And I, there was one laugh out loud, I mean, laugh out loud, a hard moment really? in the movie. Yes. Okay. I'm, so there was, and, and, that, and I don't know if everyone else felt the same as I did, but I know most of my family did. Yeah. Was it one of those situations where you were the only one laughing? No, no, no. no okay, there good. were, there were probably a handful of people. Okay, good. It was, was, uh, uh, was it packed? Packed, right? Just to the gills. It was, I would say maybe three quarters full yeah. you know, because, because we're in that stadium right. area and you have those three rows down at the bottom. There were a couple of people in those. Yeah. And, and I was, there has been only one time where I had to watch a movie from those Rose. And believe it or not, it was that uh, that movie, The Bucket List movie oh, really? with Morgan Freeman. For, for some reason, <laughs> that, that that theater was packed that night when we went to see it. Oh, the last time I went to Star Wars, last Star Wars that came out, I was so psyched, you know, and I ended up sitting down in those seats and really over on the end even, and my head was like cranked over. If you're on Facebook Live right now, you can see my head cranked over. I always, I'll always remember that movie from a little bit different perspective. Well, it's bad. I don't well, like sitting down there. My question for you is, mm -hmm. did this conversation come up while you were making that puzzle? I find your lack of faith disturbing. <laughs> um, when I was trying to get this puzzle done, yeah, oh, we're not going to get it done. I find your lack of faith disturbing. I, it came up. At, well, and then a lot of conversation about the familial relations uh, of uh, Darth Vader v. Luke Skywalker v. Princess Leia v. Uh, Yoda. Obi-Wan, I had to do like a whole Q&A on, on the etymology of, uh, of the entire family or the whole cast, which I got, it stretched the bounds of my uh, Star Wars trivia knowledge a little bit, but I made it. So I'm happy. We're going to move on from Star Wars, I think. We'll see what puzzles lie in wait for me. Maybe like a unicorn or something, like a My Pony situation. For a nine-year-old, that no. might work. Yeah, well, no, there's, you know, there's a couple of, who knows? I don't know what we're going to get. I think I'm going to stop on the way home and get another one, though. That'd be fun. 
Maybe like a Michael Jordan situation. That'd be cool. Excellent. Yeah. Uh, we've got a great show for you today. Our guests include Tanisa Islam. She is a Sioux Falls immigration lawyer and board member for the South Dakota Voices for Peace. Scott Hudson's going to be in for Weird Friends, and we'll talk sort of about the year in culture, uh, the year of living hatefully. Uh, Kelsey Passolton, the big-time anchor of KDLT News at 5, 6, and 10. We haven't talked to Kelsey for a while because of vacations and holidays and everything else. Kelsey will explain to us what real cold is about. We know she's from the North Country, so she's going to explain to us how this actually works. Paige Carta is executive director of REACH, which promotes adult literacy in the Sioux Falls area. They've got a big move coming up, some exciting news. That'll be fun. Oh, and that's Sarda. 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 I, you know, she's from I've my she's from my hometown. You're so kidding I, me. No, I am not. Well, I know Paige, but just by, you know, Paige. So that's with a C. That's yeah, a, Sarda. It's Sarda. it's one of the Yeah, she married into a family that's that's got more of the uh, Czechoslovakian influence. And so that's where ah, that comes. Ah, the old Czechoslovakian influence gets me every time. Uh, and I'll have, of course, a P&L statement after the next break. Today's topic, there's a little Trump, a little golf, uh, a little parking ramp situation. All good stuff. That's coming up next on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. 319 on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 and we'll get a little closer to free with the Bodines and the PL statement today. Looking through the news, all kinds of stuff going on, starting to break loose a little bit, but you know, there's not a ton of news. It's the holidays, people. It's the holidays. Uh, first of all, I saw this interesting story from the AP about uh, uh, sort of the disconnect between uh, Donald Trump's tweets about James Comey and sort of their official statements about why he was fired, which wouldn't matter that much, uh, really, you know, except uh, that it might be a point of contention between uh the what what Mr. Mueller, the special prosecutor, is looking at, and Mr. Trump, in if they are uh, trying to figure out whether the firing was had anything to do or could be related to a potential discussion about obstruction of justice. So that's that was kind of a, it's an interesting story. It's uh, that essentially the 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 reasons behind the firing, uh, whether or not uh, it involved. Uh, Hillary Clinton or not Hillary Clinton and how he treated Hillary Clinton. Uh, it's kind of a moving target. And in some ways, it's to be expected because of the way Donald Trump kind of is uh, shooting from the hip all the time. And uh, a carefully worded uh, statement from the Department of Justice. And, you know, it, it, it just continues to undermine what the Department of Justice does. And it is also part of a continuing effort to undermine Mueller and undermine the Department of Justice. So, you know, the, the, the president is, is going his own way and uh, we'll see if that works for him. It's a it's clearly clearly the uh, strategy here is to undermine the effort and uh, discredit Mueller. So we'll see how that goes. Um, legal pot. So I guess this one had kind of slipped below my radar a little bit. And that is that, uh, I, I mean, I knew it was happening, but I, I didn't realize it was coming up so fast. So January one pots legal in California. Okay. So it had been, you know, uh, various Colorado obviously, and some other places, but 
California is a big dang place, as you know, and there's a lot of people living there. So the as of January 1st, which is Monday, uh, you can you can have, uh, I believe, up to an ounce of pot in California in hand. But the problem here is that the uh, uh, feds aren't going to quit prosecuting it. And one of the places, you know, obviously California butts up against uh, Mexico there. So they've got a lot of issues in terms of how they are enforcing laws and who can carry what and coming across borders. Um, it's it's for the for the feds. They're not changing anything. Um, if you're this is according to Ryan Gemma, Yamasaki, an assistant chief of the Border Patrol San Diego sector prior to January one, it's going to be the same after January one because nothing changed on our end. If you're a federal law enforcement agency, you uphold the federal laws. And the checkpoints, they have these uh, checkpoints down there, uh, located up to 100 miles from Mexico, are considered a final line of defense against immigrants who elude agents on the border. They also have been a trap for U.S. citizens carrying guns, even tiny bags of marijuana. About 40% of pot seizures at Border Patrol checkpoints from fiscal years 2013 to 2016 were an ounce, 28 grams or less, from U.S. citizens. Uh, California's new law allows anyone 21 and over to carry up to an ounce. So... You know, th- this is the problem with uh, legalizing pot all over in, in this hodgepodge nature that we're going through right now is, and this is not anything new, you leave Colorado with pot and you get caught driving in Wyoming, you're busted. You are busted. Oh, no! <laughs> exactly. And, you know, it's uh, it's not good. I just, I don't, I'm to the point where, and, and I'm not a, I am not a user all right, and I've never been much of a user of the 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 substance. Okay, the the marijuana, the Jane. All right, never in my part of my world. But I, you know, come on, and I don't want to. But come on, just let's just make it the same everywhere. Legalize small amounts for possession. Fine, fine. And then you know, South Dakota has this legal inject uh, felony ingestion law, which is ridiculous. They need to be standardized in some of these things. And pot, come on. I mean, I don't want to legalize meth. I'm not like that guy. But pot, it's just silly. Silly. Uh, We saw, you know, we've been talking about this golf decision quite a bit. Golf management contract. And uh, you may have heard on the news at the top that the city council stuck with Landscapes United. I'm sorry, Unlimited with the golf course management contract, five to three. Uh, you know, there's some discussion about whether they would just extend uh, the Dakota Golf Management, the local contract. I, I thought they should have. They didn't. Um, the, they gave it to Lionsgate some limited. The problem here is that the administration clearly mishandled this. The administration, Mike Uther, they backed him into a corner and there was no way out. And they say that there's no way out. It was, it was really bad. Um, but the, the counselors that voted for it, I mean, it's hard to say what their final thinking was. There had been uh, concerns had voiced by many of them, but in the end, only three went against the uh, the deal. And, you know, nothing against, there's never been anything against Landscapes Unlimited. That's not the issue. But they did get a different deal than what Dakota Golf Management had been operating under. So, you know, the whole thing was a little skeezy, and I don't like it. I don't like it. But, you know, we got to move on from here. It never really was about the golf contract. It was always about or about who's running the golf courses. It was always about how this was handled, and it wasn't right. It wasn't good. Jumping from one, but we're going from the pan to the fire here, people, because 
Coming up now, Teresa Staley and uh, Pat Starr said today they had their press conference at just before the show. And they, Teresa Staley, Counselor Teresa Staley said on this show, I think last week, that she was going to try and uh, repeal, get the council to repeal the bond that would build the parking ramp that was the core of the uh, whole uh, mixed-use facility down there, the big hotel and parking ramp that we are helping to build with Legacy Development. Um, and they had their press conference today to say that, uh, you know what, let's not do that. Let's hold up on that whole deal after everything that's come out about uh, Aaron Coltgren construction, which has ties to Legacy and the whole issue surrounding the collapse of the Copper Lounge building. We know that uh, Hultgren construction now is under a criminal investigation by the Department of Justice and all these things that are going on. Um, so we'll see. She, uh, uh, Teresa Staley and, and Starr made their formal announcement, so I haven't had a chance to look over the details of what they're saying, but in, in essence, this deal, it ain't done. Um, you know, it's, there's just a lot of questions. It'll be very interesting to see in the next month or so what happens with that. So we're going, and you know what? Some of the themes are the same. Take out golf, insert parking, boom, because you still have a bunch of skeezy stuff going on behind closed doors that nobody knows what the answers to. And we're not going to get them. We're not going to get them. So whether or not the council decides that it's, it, the questions are large enough to wait, that's what we're going to find out. But that's our next big controversy. Ah, thank goodness. That's what we need. More stuff to talk about on the Patrick Lally show. I, you know, I don't know about this deal. I, I like the deal. I like the project a lot. The hotel and the parking ramp. I think it's a good project. I want to see it happen. But man, there are a lot of questions. When you've got the Department of Justice involved and the fact that the administration didn't tell the council that they knew that Hulkgren, I mean, it's not good. Okay. And the mayor's leaving and we're going to be working on this. So I, I don't, I don't know that it would be such a bad deal to wait. We'll see what happens with that. That's the bottom of the line on today's PL statement. Agree or disagree, you can email me, Patrick at KSO.com, or follow us on Twitter and Facebook, P Lally Show on Twitter. We are live on Facebook and you can always chat with us there. Coming up after the break, we got Scott Hudson coming in for Weird Friends, and we'll sort of, it's a little bit of a year in review and pop culture and that sort of thing. Scott likes to pay attention to that, and so do I. That's all coming up on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. 334 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And the sounds of the replacements, the ledge, can only mean one thing. It's time. It's time for Mr. Scott Hudson on Weird Friends. Scott. I'm Hello. Got, I'm getting that cued in pretty well now. You know, and I'm, I'm starting You're to feel well. it. Yeah. The thing is, I think I've heard that guitar riff more than any guitar riff in my life. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You know, because I use it for every set break on my show, you know, and so, yeah, it's kind of, kind of crazy. Are you starting to hear it in your sleep, that kind of thing? No, let's not go too far. Okay. Thinking, <laughs> thinking about changing the name of the show to something else so you can change the intro music? No? No, I think I think legislative I mean let's let's be honest here. Where did associating the ledge with me begin? Uh Tempest, way back in the day. Exactly. You know and I didn't come up with that name. Uh, um we I I think I did, but it and Craig did and Craig Ellerbrook. Uh because we were we were uh, at the time and this is a kind of an interesting story. We were reading the Twin Cities Reader a lot, which was an yeah. alternative tab in the Twin Cities that has now since gone under. But 
they had their music columnist. He's he's very good. It wasn't Walsh, was it? Oh. No, oh. I think Walsh was not there at that point. He might have been a City Pages. Um, but I can't okay. remember the guy's name, but it was the the column was called Crawling from the Wreckage after, right. after, after the, the Rockpile song. Rockpile song, which I love that song. Yeah. And we were like, well, we have to, that's a great idea. What would we name our music column after? The replacements, the ledge, and hence the legend was born. Yeah, and it fit perfectly. I mean, think of all the replacement songs we could have used. The Ledge actually works as a column yep. title, in yeah. my opinion. Yeah, no, it was great. It, it was uh, one of the moments of, I won't call it brilliance, but problem solving, <laughs> problem solving that we actually had that went pretty well. So we call it The Ledge, and you still have, you better plug your podcast and everything else right now. because Well, well sure, every Friday night, every Friday night from 6 to 8 p.m., Central Time, of course, got to throw that in for your your overseas listeners. Yes. Uh, I have my live radio show, which is called The Ledge. It's on realpunkradio.com, and then it is archived on scotthudson.blogspot.com and also on iTunes and Stitcher, and you can play it on your Alexa machine and all those things. Hey, you know, KSOO, you can get on Alexa now, too. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Great. Well, all the results radio stations, I think. But you just say play KSOO and bam, maybe it'll. Did That's I just, how that works. Did I just turn on Alexa for you? No, no, okay. no, no. She can't hear you right now. That's probably <laughs> for the best, isn't it? Yes. Um, so Scott, it's the year, end of the year, and you know I'm not a big sort of end of the year guy. But we talked about your end of the year uh, music, best of 2017 music last week. Yep. Um, but the other thing you and I talk a lot about is you know sort of pop culture, other media. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so looking back on this year, I mean, it was so, for me, it was so political, you know, uh, with the whole, the first year of Trump and all the, con- it was just constant barrage, of bam, bam, Trump this, Trump, but there's a lot yeah. of other stuff going on that's not so bad, eh? Well, I mean, I, I think before we get into that, we, we should also talk about how some of that negativity was drawn into the entertainment industry with the Weinstein and the oh, Me yeah. Too thing and all that stuff. And, you know, every day we're, we're hearing, well, this director is out, and, and now that actor's gone. And so, yeah. I mean, the ramifications of that continue on. But in some respects, it's a good thing because in the long run, it may, it may end a lot of bad things that happen and have happened for decades. Oh, yeah. It's, got you a, know? it's a reckoning. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, and it, it really has been the year of the woman. I mean, uh, and, you know, and I love women. Mm-hmm. Um, not only some great music made by women, but I think TV this year was dominated by, by female characters. Um, in movies, of course, you had Wonder Woman and, and things like that that kind of, you know, hit, hit an emotional chord with many. But, but especially TV, I'm, I currently I just paused when you called. I am watching Alias Grace. Oh, it's supposed to be great. On Netflix, and it is. It's fabulous. It's really, really. If you, if you watch Handmaid's Tale, which was earlier this year, this kind of falls in line with that. I mean, it's not the same story by any means, but it's, it's, uh, it's really, really intriguing. It's based on a book, right? Alias Grace is a book. I believe it's coming up yes. later uh, this year, later ne- early next year on the... KSO Zambro's Community Book Club. Oh, good. I might have to get involved with that. Yeah, then. maybe we should go. 
Yes. That's a, that seems good. A, we'll have to preview that. That's a good idea. I'm going to get that book. I'm going to read it. Yeah, uh, I'll have to read it. But I, tell me I, what the series is about, because I don't really know. Um, there was a woman that was convicted of murdering, um, uh, you know, this is in the 1800s. Mm-hmm. She was a housekeeper, and, and she's, she was convicted of murdering not only her, main, her boss, her head housekeeper, but also the, the man who owns the property. And it was her and this other guy who did it. And she's, she's telling the story to a, a, a psychologist, you know, you know, which in the 1800s was not a great science. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's questions whether she actually did it or not. Now I don't know what what the final. I'm about to start the last episode, Ooh. so I so I don't know exactly how it turns out. But um, yeah, it's, it's it's really really good. You know what the best part about this is? Uh, if we participate in the uh, KSO Zambros Community Book Club on this one, Alias Grace, we don't really have to read the book. But I would. Though. I know I mean, you would. I know you would. A couple months ago, I actually had read the book that they that that they read the girls. Yes. I and, had read that before. And now there's some question of whether or not that was plagiarized. Didn't I hear that? Yes, yes. Oh, boy. Yeah, she's being accused by a former partner. Oh, boy. Well, these things will happen. We'll let that sort itself out in the courts. Uh, yeah. So, uh, so TV actually has been great. I have seen some great, great TV this year. Uh, and obviously the revolution in television changes what you watch and when you watch it. But, right. man, I finally started watching Peaky Blinders. So good. Oh, I, I just finished uh, the latest ep- season of that. So Love that show. And I'm in first season. I'm almost done. So the, the second season has dropped, right? Oh, they're on their fourth. Fourth? Yeah. You got to be kidding me. See, this is how far behind. That show but is they're all, awesome. But they're all short seasons. They're all, yeah. they're all five, six episodes long. Oh, okay. Then which, there's, which, so I might actually be into the second season. I, y- y- the other thing was Ozark which I had heard and heard and heard was good. And I just was like, I don't care about the Ozarks. You know, it's like Missouri. Yeah. I don't, So good. So good. Oh yeah. 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 And I got, that's another one. I'm using this week after Christmas where there's nothing really on regular TV and the football games don't really matter at this mm-hmm. point, unless you want to watch some stupid ball games. Uh, I'm using this week to catch up on shows that I haven't finished. And so, like, Alias Grace, I'm watching right now. Stranger Things was right before that. Oh, yeah. And I, I got, like, two episodes of Ozarks. I don't know why I stopped in the middle, um, but I've got a couple of those to watch. And all fabulous TV. I, to me, this is the golden age of TV. And, and, and it's replaced the movies because I, I don't like what is in the theaters these days. Not for the much. most part. Yeah, not much. I don't. It's dominated by superheroes and sci-fi and crap that I don't like. Um, I think the great writers and directors and people like that are now utilizing the fact that they can make eight, nine, ten, one-hour shows that are actually like an extended movie. Mm-hmm. It's great. And, and that's what we're seeing with like Alias Grace and Hammy's Tale and all those things. And Big Little Lies on HBO talk about a, a female... Central centered, uh, great show. Did you ever watch that Big Little Lies? No, I don't have. I don't have the HBO. I don't have the cable. I'm, oh. right now I'm. I'm. I have. I have Netflix and Amazon, and those are my two go tos at this point. But that's a lot. Okay, there's so much on there. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I'm. Yeah. I'm. I'm finding things all the time. Like I watched this documentary a couple weeks ago about the 
the woman that was with Sean Penn when they went and met um, the the Mexican drug lord. Oh yeah, who's it that? Was her, it was oh I can't remember her name offhand. Huh. Uh, she was a Mexican actress, big name down there. Um, you know, basically up here we've only seen Sean Penn's version of the story. Yeah, and what he wrote in Rolling Stone and what he said in Sixty Minutes and stuff. There's a lot more to what went on, and uh, her her version kind of talks about that a little bit. And she's not afraid to throw Mr. Penn under the bus. <laughs> well, it's nice to see, you know, you can't be afraid of Sean Penn after all. He's very short. Well, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> well, 2017 wasn't all the, you know, the year of living hatefully then. There's a lot of great stuff out there, right? I, I think anytime you have a politically a, a troubled era, you end up with some great culture out of it. And that's not to say that you want troubled times, mm-hmm. but I mean, you, you look at the depression and theories brought on the blues and brought mm-hmm. on, you know, some great country music. Um, the grapes the, the of wrath, the sixties with the race riots and everything. I mean, look at the, the great music of 68, 69, um, you know, and the Reagan years brought up some great political punk. Um, you know, so I could you could argue, and it's the good times that we that we end up with really middle of the road boy bands and crap like that. Yeah, that's a good point. With that, uh, Mr. Scott Hudson, uh, thank you for that uh, cultural reflection, and uh, ah. we'll see what 2018 brings. Right? Exactly. All right, we'll talk to you next week. Thank you. This is the Patrick Lally Show on Information 1000 KSOO. Three forty-eight on the Patrick Lally Show. Information one thousand KSOO. One of the few times you'll hear like contemporary country music on this show. Not that I, you know, it's fine, but we like to play a little country for our next guest, Kelsey Passel, the big-time anchor over at KDLT News. That was uh, Tim McGraw, by the way, Kelsey. Thank you so much, Patrick. That's helping me think warm thoughts yes. right now. Yes, exactly. That Because it's Southern voice. So that's what we yeah. went with there. Uh, so, you know, everybody is, wah, wah, wah. it's so cold, it's so cold. So I thought, <laughs> I'm going to call Kelsey because Kelsey's from the great white north, way up there in Minnesota there, somewhere in the, the Wisconsin. And uh, and she'll, she'll set us straight, right, Kelsey? This is nothing, right? That's right. Toughen up. Yeah, everybody. yeah. Because you're you like you like walking around in shirt sleeves at this point, right? <laughs> exactly. Like bare skin. Mm-hmm. You know, not a big deal. No, I'm kidding. Bundle up out there. But yes, I am from the Northwoods. Uh, grew up in both Minnesota and Wisconsin. I'm telling you, Patrick. People are cross country skiing right now mm-hmm. up there. They're getting ready to ice fish. Yeah. Like, this is. A fun time of year. It's all good some, for some people in uh, in the Northwoods. So you got to tell me though. You know, they, sometimes you have to start doing things just for appearances, right? Like you know what's happening. People are like, oh, "I'm going to go out and hit and sit in the shed and had to go catch some birch or something there, eh?" And then they go and no, they're they're sitting in the they're sitting in the local watering hole, acting like they're out. They drive the <laughs> they drive their truck out there. They leave it sitting and then they sneak back into the bar. 
we should, we need to expose these people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's exactly Because they're wimps. <laughs> it's not all, what was that movie they filmed in Red Wing uh, with Walter Matthau and uh, uh, oh, Jack Oh, Grumpy Lemon. Old Men? Grumpy, it ain't Grumpy Old Men. Come on. <laughs> That's just the bucolic vision of Minnesota. We all know it's And also, different. I've heard some of those ice shanties. Uh, ice fishing shanties those are decked out and warm mm-hmm. and some of them are pretty tricked out so i've always, I've always thought I don't that think was, they're necessarily roughing it no i always thought that was a bad idea i to me putting heat on top of ice seems like a bad <laughs> combination <laughs> no kidding yeah i've never tried it myself no interest in doing that but i'm certainly familiar with the cold and it seems like every year you know it takes so long for us to adjust we talk about how cold it is, and then, you know what, six months from now, we're going to be complaining it's too hot. So, what yeah. do you do? Whiners. We're all a bunch of whiners. We've gotten <laughs> soft with all these <laughs> modern amenities. Get a bucket, drill a hole in the ice, or, you know, whatever. Put Strap a couple of pieces of wood on your feet and go walking around. <laughs> that's, that's what life is really like. Real talk. Real talk. Real, yeah, hard answers on the Patrick Lally show. <laughs> What's uh, uh, Kelsey Passolt, of course, is the big time anchor of the KDLT News at five, six, and ten. Back in the chair after a little time off. Uh, so mm. uh, Hanson's not back yet, is he? From his trip to France or whatever it was, south of France. <laughs> He's back. Oh, okay. He Good. is back. Uh, we're so happy to have him back. The holidays are always a crazy time at news stations. You know, people are coming and going. Mm-hmm. Um, but we actually have pretty much a full crew here today. So what? it's kind of exciting to see everybody. Yeah, oh, I know. That's good. That's mm-hmm. good. It hasn't that been that way for a little bit. You can take a few minutes to talk to us. Tell us, uh, so what are you guys working on tonight? What's 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 leading the newscast? What's, what's going on, Kelsey? Yes. yes uh, stories are heating up out there. Uh, we've got a parking ramp problem story. Two Sioux Falls City Council members say there's something wrong with the deal that the city cut with the developer of a proposed multi-use building downtown, hotel, parking, retail. Uh, Those two city council members say they want the deal repealed. So we find out why tonight. Mm -hmm. We also, on the topic of city council, uh, under new management, we talk with a new company in charge of Sioux Falls golf courses, and do they plan on making any changes? What can golfers expect under this new management? Uh, last night's meeting was packed with people. Once again, this is a very hot topic in Sioux Falls right now. And uh, a really a heartwarming story. Uh, it's a day decades in the making for a Korean War veteran today from Sioux Falls. The 91-year-old is finally properly honored for his service with a purple heart so, oh my did you say Korea story there from the korean war korean war veteran wow. yep that's right he talks about you know the significance of that war to him even though you know it's not it's not the big one but he says you know he believes it's uh he talks about the significance of it to him which he believes it's, it's just as significant to oh. him so we hear from him tonight that's outstanding so uh that's at five, six, and ten. Tell me that your uh, your weather guy, the, uh, this Elise character, and the the Blaze fella. Tell me they're not like taking pots of water outside and throwing them in the air to show us how cold it is. Isn't that? I think that's cool. You don't uh, think that's cool to do that? You're doing it. You're, they're doing it, aren't they? Do, do, do. I. I have I have suggested it. If oh, they've okay. done it, it's because it's been my suggestion. <laughs> I don't think they've done it yet. But you know what? If people are listening, you got kids. That's yep. at least 15 minutes, well, 
10 minutes of fun entertainment yeah, with the exactly. kids in this cold. <laughs> I've got I've got a, 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 a ice skating rink of, of uh, a beer, on, uh, unfortunately, on the driveway where uh, a, 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 a visitor from Colorado uh, didn't, even from Colorado, didn't realize how cold it was. And there was some, it's a long story, but it's, it's not pretty. It's not pretty. Don't let him do that. <laughs> Kelsey Pestle. Maybe you're, maybe you're someone, someone you should know. You should be our someone you should know with that. <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. Uh, <laughs> Kelsey Pestle, she's the big time anchor of the 5, 6, and 10 o'clock news at KDLT. Kelsey, we'll talk to you uh, soon, okay? Yep, sounds great. And if, uh, if we don't talk before January 1st, I'll see you next year. That's outstanding. We'll see you soon. This is the Patrick Lally Show on Information 1000 KSOO. 357 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. You get a shiver in the dark, it's raining in the park. You do get a shiver from Dire Straits, Sultans of Swing. Coming up on uh, January 5th, that's the first Friday of January of 2018. It's first Friday downtown, all day in downtown Sioux Falls. It's a special day of shopping, dining, and playing. There's free admission to the Kirby Science Discovery Center and Visual Arts Center and discounted Wells Fargo Cynodome tickets and more. You can go to DTSF.com to learn more about what's happening because, you know, first Friday is huge in the summer, right? Everybody's downtown. Dun, 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 dun. There's live music and everything else. But they're there in the winter. It's still fun. Good day to get out and, you know, see some friends and take in a little frivolity downtown. That's January 5th is the first Friday. Week from this Friday. Coming up in the second hour of the Patrick Lally Show, we're talking to Paige Carta. She's executive director of Reach of Sioux Falls, and they've got a uh, big move coming up and some cool news about what's coming up for them in terms of dealing, promoting literacy in our city. And Tanisa Islam, she's a Sioux Falls immigration lawyer and board member for South Dakota Voices for Peace. That's all coming up after the news and weather with Mr. Dan Peters. On the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. On the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And we play a little Nick Lowell when I write the book for Paige Sarda, executive director of Reach, which promotes literacy in the Sioux Falls area. Anytime I have somebody with anything involved with reading or books or anything like that, I play Nick Lowell. That's good. Yeah. So thanks for being here, Paige. Thanks for taking a few moments to come in and talk to us. Of course, Reach... Uh, it used to be the, um, what was it called before Reach? Just to remind people. Right, that's why we changed our name. Sioux yeah. Falls Area Literacy Council. And not that, you know, I'm not trying to, you know, uh, uh, encroach upon the brand. I just like to, people to remember. Right. That, right. But you, what do you do, Paige? You know, our primary focus and our whole mission is to teach adults how to read and write and improve life skills. 
that's been our core focus for 31, almost 32 years now. And so we started out as prison ministry. We went out to the prison and worked with uh, adults up there. And as things have changed and grown, and now we work with adults in the workplace, we also we do group tutoring, we do individual tutoring, and we're really trying to find and reach adults where they're at. So the, the organization is essentially you and a board and volunteers pretty much Is yeah. that it? okay <laughs> yep. but you you seem to have made it work right over yep. all these years and yep. you've been there how long five and a half years wow i know time flies so you have been not a uh, first thing you did when you got there is you guys were working on the the, the rebranding as we like to say in the business now you're reach which is a great name right. but now you're taking a big step and the reason you're here today to chat with us is that you're moving and sort of up in the game Right. We started a bookstore two years ago. Um, One of the things that's challenging about nonprofits is constantly fundraising and figuring out how to support yourself. And fundraising's hard. I mean, it's a lot. It's hard work. It's it's nice, but it's hard. And people would always say, "Hey, can we give you books? Can we give you books?" Thinking that if you just give people books, they know that's how you teach them to read. Yep. Right. So I thought, well, why don't we take those books? And so we did. We did book drives, and we started a store in the lower level of Canfield Interiors. I think the first year we were open. We collected over 50,000 books. No, yeah, once you say, hey, no, we'll take all your books, people get, people start bringing them in, right? Yeah, pretty much. And la- last year, our second year, we've been um, open for two years now. It's about the same thing. And on any given month, we probably accept anywhere from 1,000 to 4,000 books walk in our door. That's wild. And so you're selling, you're a used bookstore. Yep. And we used to have a, the bookshop, which was a, a thriving used bookstore downtown. Eventually, they went out of business. So there's, there's a market there. There is a market. I think the other thing that people really like about um, our business model and kind of what we were looking at is it's really a way for you to donate that book because people get really attached to their books and they want to see somebody else, you know, be able to use them and love them like they did. And so you can give us that book and we turn around and sell those. And our book prices are really cheap, anywhere from one to $3. So you can come in and spend $20 and leave with a, a huge handful of books. If you don't like it or you've already read it, people donate them right back to us. But all that money that we make because we use all volunteers at this time all goes back into our programming. And so people really like the idea that the books are getting donated and all that money goes back into teaching adults how to read. Yeah, and I, we have a lovely library system, of course, which is fabulous. But uh, if you go in, you buy five books, and you spend uh, ten bucks or fifteen bucks or whatever, and you read the books and then you donate them back, it's probably less than the amount that certain people would get in fines for not returning their books right. to the library. Right. So you know it's a wash, right? Right. And we, you know, really our goal is not to be competition for that library because they donate a ton of books to us as well. I think the thing that, you know, people think, oh, e-readers are coming. And they are, but I still, I have an e-reader and I have 13 books on my nightstand right now that I'm working my way through. So I'm, I'm just as much to blame. And it's so much fun just to go and look at old books. Right. And I think the other thing that we get is we get such a huge variety. I mean, we get, you know, vintage books on how to raise your llama, you know, stuff <laughs> like that. Or, you know, fungi is your friend. I mean, just really yeah. interesting stuff. Coffee and, table. Yeah, things like that. <laughs> You know, gag gifts, but uh, I, we just get a really nice variety, and people, you know, in and around the Sioux Empire, really well read. Mm-hmm. So we get a good variety too. Uh, I want to know more about fungi as your friend because that sounds like something that I really should be reading. Right. I, I mean, that could expand my knowledge base quite. We a did bit. have that book, and like two guys came in and they're like, "We've been totally looking for this book." I was like, "You're glad, kidding. glad to help." <laughs> yeah. Now, so you you were in Canfield. 
Tell us about uh, the new joint because right. the whole bookstore is moving everything. What are you yeah, doing? Yeah, we're all we're joining forces. So we actually want to create more of a literacy center, a place where you can really come and and literacy sort of the main focus for the whole place. Um, and so our bookstore is moving over to the Western Mall. We'll be on the south side, kind of right next to Shields. Um, we want to be able to use it as sort of a training site for some of our adults, uh, like as workplace training, so they can work in our store and really work on customer service to be able to communicate, to be able to talk, so that's one aspect. We want to be able to tutor on-site or train on-site, um, and to be able to do literacy programming right in there, and maybe that's tutoring of adults, but potentially, hopefully in the future, starting maybe this summer, look at maybe some family literacy programs, and we really, we give away all of our kids' books. We don't sell our kids' books, and so we really think literacy starts at home. And so if we can get books into the hands of kids, that potentially that will, you know, blossom into looking at maybe I should work on my literacy or a, a way to seek that out. When's this all happening? Um, well, we're, t we're, we're moved in. We don't look pretty over there right now. We moved in on Saturday. There's a little bit of a carpet issue, so we're working on that. <laughs> we're working on that. So we were hoping to have a soft open next week. That's gotten pushed back a little bit. So we're hoping to have an open like probably the eighth or ninth of January for sure. But coming right up, that's great. Yeah, it, I mean, basically, we just had to put six thousand books on the shelf. Easy. Not take no. No time big at deal. All. No. Do you need help with that? Yeah, I will. I mean, we had like forty volunteers signed up for today and tomorrow, so. We push them back a little bit, but, you know, that's the great thing about volunteers. It's a nice, they love books. They like to do it. They love what we're doing. So I think we'll get help again. Oh, that's good. So, but if I want to get involved with uh, REACH, first of all, is the bookstore going to be called REACH or what am I looking for? You just, it's going to be REACH Literacy Center. Okay. We'll have a great big sign. It'll be lit and everything. Oh my gosh. Nice I know. We're really moving on up. This is big Kinda time. like the Jeffersons. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, so, but if I want to get involved with whatever, with REACH, mm -hmm. uh, with literacy, um, what do I do? Yeah, you can we, uh, you can just go to our webpage at reachliteracy.org, and there's just a simple volunteer application, and we really just look, you know, what are you interested in? Are you interested in the book side of it, or are you interested in, in teaching? And we really, you know, kind of weed you out that way, and we'll teach you either way. Okay. If you want to be a volunteer, we just run you through a little training to be a bookstore volunteer, how to sort, what to do. And if I want to bring you books, I just show up? Pretty much. You just okay. show up. We have a lot of people that have been calling, like, when are you open? I have so many books for you. And what's your phone number? 332-BOOK. 332-BOOK? I know. Amazing, huh? How did you get that? We've had that since we, we opened. I don't, it just was kind of fortuitous. That's just sort of the way it worked out. That's it. That I, is an outstanding phone I number. I know. Don't you think that's just kind of like kismet? Karma, yeah, I right? like it. Uh, Paige Sarda, she is Executive Director of REACH uh, in Sioux Falls, and they work on literacy in the community. They're opening up within the next couple of weeks right. over in the Western Mall next to Shields on the south side. Look for that. Get out there and buy books, people. Absolutely. Uh, Paige, thanks for coming in. Thank you. Coming up after the break, we're going to talk with Taniza Islam. She is a Sioux Falls immigration lawyer and member of the board at the South Dakota Voices for Peace. We're, we got a good discussion coming up, so hang in there. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. 418 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And, uh, you know, we've been trying to get Tuniza Islam on the show for a while, and we finally were able to make the schedules work. I think we had you on a call in at one point not so long ago, didn't we? Did yeah, we not? just a couple of weeks ago, I okay, think. Okay, yeah. Uh -huh. um, but you're here in person, in studio, Tuniza Islam. She is a... Let the Main Street Cafe be your alarm clock. Weekday mornings at 5 with... She is a Sioux Falls immigration lawyer. And she is 
involved in the, uh, she's the executive director. We hire people with no experience. We hire people right out of college. She is the executive director of the, I'm sorry, the South Dakota Voices for Peace. I I messed up something there, Tanisa. Okay. I, I apologize. It's okay. Thanks for being here. Yeah, Thanks absolutely. very much. Thanks for having me. And uh, you have been in town. We were just talking about this. You are an immigration lawyer, but you moved to Sioux Falls when? 2012. And uh, you went. You came here um, uh, for family reasons, for because your your husband got a job here, uh-huh. and you. But you went to law school at uh, Hamlin. You were saying yes. And uh, graduated when? 2007. Why? Uh, how did you get involved in immigration law exactly? Um, you know. I grew up in an immigrant community. My parents are immigrants from Bangladesh. I was born and raised in Michigan. Um, I used to hear questions and stories about immigration issues my whole life. It's something that I just felt natural about. I knew I wanted to go to law school after undergrad and getting my master's degree. And so this was just the right opportunity for me to be able to explore that here in Sioux Falls. And so when you came to town... You're like, okay, we're moving to Sioux Falls, South yep. Dakota. Um, <laughs> what, why, why did you, what were you thinking when you got here in terms of how you were going to uh, apply your interests and, and your, your yeah. education and skill? Well, you know what? When we moved here, I had just, I would say I had my dream job right out of law school in the Twin Cities. I, I was a complaint investigator for the city of Minneapolis' Civil Rights Department. Um, and then also a full-time volunteer for a young organization called the Council on American Islamic Relations Minnesota Chapter. So I was working 80 hours a week, going strong. Um, my husband was in medical school at the time, so it worked for us. And then um, I was a new mom when we moved here to Sioux Falls. So I hit the pause button on the career, if mm-hmm. you will. Uh, new to town, didn't know a soul here. I didn't have any contacts in my legal network that knew anybody here. So it was an opportunity to kind of reinvent myself. Um, I started just going to conferences that looked interesting. Uh, my master's degree is in, is in diversity leadership, so I'm very interested in diversity inclusion efforts too. Started meeting people, started having discussions, and then I was encouraged to apply for a Bush Fellowship through the Bush Foundation in St. Paul. So a great organization, by amazing. the way. Amazing. Had them in. It's it's fantastic what they're doing all across the region. Yeah, it's amazing how they've invested in the Dakotas and Minnesota and what type of um, change that they're bringing to our region because of their investments that they're making. Um, so they invest in people who um, are looking to make change in their communities. And I had written a proposal around trying to figure out how to get immigrant communities more access to legal services. We have a huge access to legal services issue here in South Dakota specifically. Um, so I was awarded the fellowship and very quickly learned that it was not only immigrant communities that didn't have access, but pretty much all of our communities um, that were low income to middle income. So I started on this trajectory I never predicted. I started the first legal incubator program um, out of our legal services entity in Sioux Falls, which was a two-year pilot program. And for a lot of different factors, um, we all decided not to continue it. Um, But it was a really amazing opportunity for me to have an idea and to build it and implement it and see it happen. Um, And then I always had my immigration practice on the side. Um, and, what, and I think it's important. Yeah. I, I say you're an immigration lawyer. <laughs> sure. Taniza Islam, uh, she's an immigration lawyer. What does that mean? 
Sure. So there's really two different areas of immigration practice. I would say um, there's employment-based immigration. So your client may be someone who is coming on an employment-based visa or you work with a company who's trying to recruit people for jobs. So that's one sphere. The other sphere is family-based and humanitarian. So family-based is if you marry a foreign spouse and you're trying to get him or her over here, or if you're a refugee that and you were separated from your family, you're trying to reunite here in the U.S., you're looking to apply for citizenship or a green card, um, and then humanitarian. So that's asylum, pe folks who are looking to apply for asylum um, and other kind of humanitarian-based issues. So I practice family law, or I'm sorry, family and humanitarian-based immigration law. That's very, uh, you must be very busy. It is very busy, and because of all the community activism work that I've started doing, specifically this past January, I've I've slowed down my practice um, and really uh, started building South Dakota Voices for Peace, which is which you are now executive director of. Yeah, just and, recently voted in, and we'll we'll talk <laughs> about that in just a moment. Sure. I want to I want to touch a little bit on your impressions, uh, as you say, when you got here, you had a Bush Fellowship. You uh, working in in the, with the legal incubator with the legal services community. Um, w after a few months, what were your thoughts about sort of the state of legal services for? Uh, I mean, you talked about low income people, but uh, immigrant immigrants in particular. Were you surprised how limited the services were, or what were your impressions right away? Absolutely, severely limited for immigrant populations specifically, but for low-income folks in general. Um, and, you know, unfortunately, my comparison is the Twin Cities, mm -hmm. which I understand is a much more vibrant legal community. There's just 10 times more lawyers in the state. So they have a very robust legal services program. So when I say legal... And funding. Funding. So when I say legal services, that's access for folks who are 125% below the poverty guidelines. Mm -hmm. that, that's what legal services means in the industry, if you will. Um, and, you know, there's a robust pro bono program for lawyers to be involved with. Um, and I didn't find that here when I came. So I thought, wow, this is a great opportunity to be able to think innovatively and to pitch something really in. Uh, innovative that can impact the community. And that's the opportunity the Bush Fellowship really gave me. Do you think the population growth in that of low income and immigrant communities just outstrip the supply? I mean, just so many more people are moving here that the, the legal community and it's, re and we've been talking about a shortage of lawyers in this state. There is a shortage of lawyers in South Dakota, and it's something that we do not talk about often. There's several factors that play into the shortage. We have one law school. Um, law school admissions across the country has drastically fallen since the recession of 2008, if you will. My alma mater, Hamlin, actually merged with another law school in the Twin Cities, William Mitchell, because of 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 this factor. So here in South Dakota, we have one law school, um, the bar passage rate. So we all have to take a bar exam to be able to be licensed in the state that we want to practice it. So here in South Dakota has severely fallen as well. 
Um, and there's a huge shortage of attorneys in rural areas. Mm -hmm. So the state bar um, has invested heavily in recruiting lawyers to go out into rural communities. Um, so there's just, uh, and our legal population, our lawyer population is increasingly on the retirement end, mm -hmm. um, and there's not enough new lawyers coming into the state. So all of these really compound um, how legal services needs are being met. Uh, we only have two legal services entities in our state, which is East River here in mm -hmm. Sioux Falls and Dakota Plains, which is West River. And there's just not enough um, federal money that is going into these entities or local state. I think, um, don't quote me on this, but I'm pretty sure that South Dakota is one of the only states that does not fund legal services from a state level. And um, this has been a battle for a long, way before I got here. So it was time to think innovatively and mm. out of the box. It was a good opportunity for you. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to come right back after the news with Mr. Dan Peters and talk more with Tanisa Islam who is recently taken over as executive director of the South Dakota, I'm sorry, the South Dakota Voices for Peace and is an immigration lawyer. We'll continue that discussion right after these commercials. This is the Patrick Lally Show on Information 1000 KSOO. 434 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And we return to our conversation with Tanisa Islam. She is a Sioux Falls immigration lawyer, but she most recently was uh, named the executive director of the South Dakota Voices for Peace. Uh, Tanisa, first of all, tell us about the origins of South Dakota Voices for Peace, because this is a recently uh, put together organization, correct? Yeah, we actually just incorporated in October officially. Um, so this organization really grew out of the amazingly beautiful coalition that came together to fight Islamophobic and anti-immigrant and refugee resolutions and bills that we saw in Pierre in January of 2017. Remind some people about what what specific issue you, you were talking about. Sure. So there was um, SB 124, which um, directly impacted Lutheran Social Services. Um, and there, uh, it was really a call to end the refugee resettlement program. So that was the anti-refugee bill. And then there were two what um, we viewed as Islamophobic and anti-refugee resolutions. So resolutions don't have the effect of law, but as one senator told me, that they are the building blocks for the legislature to gauge you know, how people are feeling so that they can propose bills in the near future. Um, one was called uh, basically an anti-care resolution, Council on American Islamic uh, Council on Is American Islamic Relations, which I was a civil rights director for in the Minnesota chapter. So there's no chapter here, um, but they were basically asking government agencies and law enforcement not to work with care. Um, and so I, I, during my testimony, said, look, there's no chapter here, so if we just took out care and put Muslims in there instead, and are you asking, is this resolution asking law enforcement and government agencies not to work with Muslim communities? And our biggest win um, out of that process was we had the Fraternal Order of Police 
um, sign on and say that they were completely opposed to politicizing their function to serve and protect all communities. Um, and the Fraternal Order of Police's chair uh, called in and testified with a scathing statement against those who put the resolution together. And then a couple of weeks later, we saw another resolution that basically was an end to the refugee resettlement program again, but it was very vitriolic. Um, it had these very racist, Islamophobic cultural practice in the language. Um, you know, the first resolution, they weren't ready for us, if you will. My understanding is that... They didn't think anybody was going to show no, up. No, because they never have. My understanding is that immigrants, refugees, and our allies have never showed up to be their own voice. Um, we've had wonderful allies that have done that work um, up until 2017, but immigrants and refugees and Muslims have never showed up to be their own voice. And so that was very powerful. Um, and the, But they were ready for us, the second resolution. Um, they had about an hour and a half testimony for their side, the proponent side for the resolution. They had an expert witness call. Who was, uh, who was driving this? Um, the main sponsor of the 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 latest resolution, which was the anti-refugee resettlement, uh, was Neil Tapio and several other co-sponsors of the resolution. The first one was Stace Nelson, uh, both senators of our state. Um, so when you talk to them, yeah. so you show up in peer, uh -huh. you know, and you are well-informed, well-educated, and not afraid. What were those conversations like? I... Um, Never directly spoke to either Stace Nelson uh, or Neil Tapio beforehand. Neil Tapio approached me afterwards because their resolution. After this was in committee? This was in the Senate State Affairs Committee. Okay. Um, the second resolution, which a Senator Tapio sponsored, was the main sponsor of, did pass out of committee because they hoghoused uh, the resolution and made it a commendation to President Trump's efforts against the war on Islamic terrorism, which we also oppose um, the commingling of the word Islamic and terrorism. And so he came, when we were devastated by going out of committee, we were outside in the, in the hallway and he approached um, me and I was standing next to Betty Oldenkamp, who is the CEO of Lutheran Social Service. And a former high level state official. Yes. And how was that conversation? He just came up to us and said, um, he said, don't quote me on exactly the verbiage, but he said something akin to, this is great, this is a democratic process, and you need to stop calling this hate. And I looked at him and I said, Senator, as long as you associate Islam, Muslims, immigrants, and refugees with these vitriolic, abhorrent medieval practices to instill fear into our communities, I will continue to call it hate. Um, and he walked away. And that was my only interaction with Senator Tapio. So uh, we're talking with Tanisa Islam. She is the executive director of the South Dakota Voices for Peace, which is recently incorporated and uh, grew out of an effort to fight back against the, the, the anti uh, or Islamophobic, we'll just say that, um, legislation. And you'll be back in 2018. Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to predict what's going to happen. Resolutions can be popped in and out whenever. 
Um, so far, the preview of the bills that are coming down the pike in January have not indicated anything anti-refugee or anti-Muslim or Islam. Um, but we're ready this year. Last year, it was very organic, and we had amazing people come together. We had military people who have served in the Middle East come and testify about how this scapegoating Muslims in South Dakota is not the way to go. Um, it was just really powerful, and it's something that our coalition knew that we needed to keep. We've had over 24 Islamophobic speakers come to our state um, as importing their hate into what I believe are otherwise good, hardworking, hard neighborly people in our state um, since January, and we've been tracking that and kind of trying to figure out. There's people out there, I don't know what's going I mean, I don't know that much about sure. the culture of the uh, anti-Islamic speakers, but it, it seems like there's this network now of people who like make it their job yep. they to make basically travel around the country. Actually $57 million worth of a network. Um, the Center for American Progress and several other think tanks and universities have now uncovered this network on a national level. And so we have seen, it's called the Islamophobic Network. You can check it out on Fear Inc. 2.0. There's an interactive map of think tanks, um, media outlets, grassroots organizations, um, funders. And it's not very big, but $57 million has been pumped into this network since 2005. Um, and we're seeing all of these heavy hitters have some sort of influence or impact here, right here in South Dakota. What do you say to people who are legitimately, for whatever reason, afraid? So sure. we, you know, since for the last 20 some years mm -hmm. been involved in military incursions based on what we perceive as uh, religious based or culturally based uh, violence. Um, and how do you engage people one-on-one -on -one who may be good Christian people mm -hmm. who just have a fear of Islam? Sure. You know, that's, that's the golden question, right? Um, I think South Dakota is prime for the Islamophobic network because there are not enough Muslims to be in every corner of the state. So it's really easy to be scared of what you don't see when it's something not human. If the only thing you're seeing is what's on TV um, or the news program that you listen to that vilifies Muslims and Islam every day in and out, then of course you're going to be scared about that. So that's really the purpose of this organization is to provide accurate information, to provide other information. Because, listen, we can't compete against $57 million. But what we can do is provide a platform for accurate information to say, hey, look, this is actually what Sharia law is, or this is actually what we believe as Muslims. This is actually what we are contributing to the state. Um, and I think people who are genuinely scared need to do some self-reflection, too, on why. You know, usually um, people say, oh, Tunisia, I know you. You're an American Muslim, and I'm not scared of you. Um, and I always say I'm not the exception to the rule. I'm the norm. You know, I'm an American Muslim. I, 
you know, I have two kids. My concerns are the same as everybody who has kids. I want a safe place to live. I want um, a safe neighborhood. I want good education and health care for my family and my neighbors. Those are all the same. Yeah. You grew up in Michigan. You went to school in Minnesota, and now you're living in South Dakota. I'm a Midwest girl. <laughs> this is about as west as I'm going to get, though, I think. What are your thoughts on green bean casserole? <laughs> now, we'll get back to that oh, with Tanisa Islam right after this message. This is the Patrick Lally Show on Information 1000 KSOO. 447 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And we return to our conversation with Tanisa Islam. She is the freshly minted <laughs> executive director of the South Dakota Voices for Peace, and they're involved in fighting back. Fighting's a wrong word. Trying to spread education and information about... Uh, Actually, Patrick, I we use the word fight Islamophobia. Fight? We do, because okay. you know what? This is a um, kind of my internal introspection that I had post-election this year. Uh, the majority of my life, I've been building bridges, doing interfaith work, doing presentations on Islam 101, what it means to be an American Muslim. And I think a lot of us kind of had a, a pause and saying, what was that work worth? You know, what just happened with the election? Um, and I think many of us focus so much on love and building bridges that we forgot that hate actually does exist in our community and fear and hate kind of go hand in hand, right, as we see it evolving today. Um, and so the strategy to fight hate is very different from loving your neighbor and building community. And I think for me personally, on a personal level, we need to, to work on all ends of that continuum, not just loving the neighbor, but also fighting hate. Are you ever afraid? Yeah. Personally? Unfortunately, um, I've been pretty naive about it, but now that I have a young family, um, I've gotten some sp specific threats myself um, in the last couple of months, actually. So people are telling me to be a little bit more vigilant. Um, so, but I don't live in fear. I've never operated in fear, so I, I don't even understand that mentality. You know, folks who are scared or or fearful of what's coming, or who people are, or what people think. I, I, I can't wrap my brain around that, that. Um, but I, I will not be silenced into what I, what I believe, what our coalition believes, what our organization believes, because at the end of the day, I think the real purpose of our organization ex is to expose the smokescreen for hate, if you will, because I think Every day, hardworking people are going to these talks or they're listening to leaders or politicians, and they don't understand how it's really a dog whistle for hate. Um, and to be able to dissect that for our neighbors and say, actually, this is why this phrase, Islamic terrorism, is Islamophobic, because not all Muslims are terrorists, and you can't associate the two, right? And this is why saying Sharia law is taking over our constitution is actually false, and let's talk about that for just a minute, because this is related. You, uh, your group, the uh, South Dakota Voices for Peace, were very critical of Chantal Krebs, current Secretary of State and candidate for the uh, our congressional seat, um, about an association she made, an endorsement that she took from, I believe, the Secretary of State from Kansas, right? Isn't that who that is? That's the, correct. And what's the person's Chris name? Chris Kobach. And why is that? Why were you critical of that endorsement? Chris Kobach is part of that Islamophobic network. 
that we just talked about previously about this $57 million industry. If you look at Chris Kroback's history, he is a mastermind of the Show Me Your Papers Arizona law, which basically criminalized all brown and dark-skinned people, that we had to prove that we were American citizens, which has never happened in any other state in our union, um, which the Supreme Court said was a no-go, many provisions of that. Chris Kobach actually was the mastermind of our first Muslim registry. Newsflash, there is a Muslim registry that occurred um, post 9-11 called Nasir's, N-S-E-E-R-S. Of course, those folks are going to say it's not a Muslim registry. They were just documenting young single men from Middle Eastern countries. Again, we that's the purpose of our organization is, say, is to show you that that's a smokescreen for a Muslim registry, in fact. So, and, and it goes, the list goes on and on and on with Chris Crowback. He's under several lawsuits for several unconstitutional things that he's um, put together. And um, he was here. He was here in our state. He um, works for the Trump administration. He's actually um, on the voter fraud commission um so interestingly enough i believe um, Ms. krebs did not give over voter information but then later said that it would be the same as any information request and that she would hand it over for twenty five hundred dollars so this was the guy she handed that stuff over to if he paid for it I what don't was know. her response when you we're saying, look, what are you doing? Well, it was really strange because the Argus had a story where it was actually Senator Neil Tapio from Watertown, who was the author of that resolution that we talked about. Also. And it, he he basically egged Chantal Krebs on and said, Chris Krobeck should actually be endorsing me because I believe in a Muslim registry. Do you, Krebs, believe in a Muslim registry too? And she took the bait. Yeah. She took the bait. Because Neil is also now a candidate for that congressional seat. Though Is he? Did he announce? Well, I, you know what? The- I take that back. I'm not even sure what he's doing. <laughs> but he is sort of an avow- avowed anti-Muslim, yes. anti-Islamic. He's made that clear. Yeah, there's no... Bones about he believes yeah. Sharia law has taken over the country. Yes. He's told me that personally. Okay. Which was the end of the conversation. Got it. But the but, but I didn't understand where all that was coming from. And so what is your sense of our con- two congressional main congressional candidates, Dusty Johnson and Chantel Krebs, are running for Congress for on the Republican side. What is your sense of what their thoughts are on this? They're pandering to their base. I mean, it's clear, right? The base, the Trump base, vilifies Muslims in Islam. If you look at the network, the map, just click on the faces. You'll see who all these people are, how they have all of their hands into the policies that are being developed and implemented in the Trump administration. Aren't we just being prudent, Tanisa, that, you know, we're living in a very difficult time and, yeah, not every... uh, Muslim is a terrorist, but, you know, gosh, the terrorists are coming from Muslim nations, so we got to protect ourselves. What's your response to that? Because that's what people think. That's what people believe, but it's not true. Why is it not true? It's not true because the majority of um, mass killings that have occurred here in the United States are by U.S.-born gun holders. That's the fact. Not necessarily... A foreign-born. And, and not of, of all different faiths. People of have, all faiths. Yes. I mean, we've, we've very quickly forgotten Dylan Roof walking into our church, 
praying with people and then shooting all of the African-American parishioners inside the church. Mm -hmm. And then the incident in Texas, that Mm -hmm. was in a church Mm -hmm. with a white male. And to say that all white male Christian right wingers with guns are going to kill people isn't right either. It's not right. I don't believe that. And so I, I ask that people be able to take a step back and ask why they're willing to make that blanket rule for Muslims, but not for someone who looks like them, a white male Christian or a white Christian who are doing these things. So what's on, you're going, you're going to be involved in the legislature. What else is on your horizon? You're obviously going to be very involved going forward. Yeah, we're, we're developing a lot of really proactive strategies. Um, we'd love to share stories of our vibrant immigrant, refugee, and Muslim communities. Um, We'd love to do more presentations in the community about what Islamophobia is, how this network is having influence on our state, and influence from top down. I mean, we have folks who are running for our congressional seat, folks who are running for governor, folks who are running for our state legislator that are using Islamophobia as their platform to garner votes. I mean, that that to me is, that's what shows shocking, um, and that's what needs to be revealed to our everyday neighbors. Very quickly, how, if I want to learn more about uh, the South Dakota Voices for Peace, how do I do that? Sure. We have a website, sdvfpeace.org. Um, we also have a Facebook page. Um, and sign up to, for our action alerts as we get ready for a legislative session and stay involved. Um, if you see or hear of an Islamophobic speaker coming to your community, please let us know. That's what we're tracking right now. Tanisa Islam, she is executive director of the, the South Dakota Voices for Peace, and you'll be hearing more from her, I'm sure, as the legislature gets started. Tanisa, thanks for coming down to the studio today. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me. This is the Patrick Lally Show on Information 1000 KSOO. 458, everybody. Coming up tomorrow, we're going to talk about the Big Sioux River. The smart cycles will be here. It's going to be great. Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO.